This is Maine Coast Doc Talk, a podcast bringing you the latest news and stories from Maine's working waterfronts. This podcast is brought to you by the Maine Coast Fishermen's Association. I'm your host, Ben Martens. I'm here with Ian Mayo of Mayo Enterprises, and we're going to be spending a little bit of time today talking about the Portland working waterfront and his business down on on the waterfront in Portland. And so Ian, I'd love to start with you introducing yourself and giving us an idea of everything that you guys are involved in down in Portland. Yeah, sure. Um, my name is Ian Mayo and uh, uh, my company is Mayo Enterprises. I work down on the waterfront um, on a pier every single day and I manage a couple fishing boats, a ground fishing boat, 75 foot ground fishing boat, um, a 65 foot purse seiner for herring and um, yeah, a little crane company as well. And then you guys also own and operate a wharf down in Portland. Correct. So we own and operate Sturdivant Wharf right on uh, Commercial Street. And um, it's a pretty large facility. We have a couple of men tie up to our pier as well. We have a a machine shop inside uh, one of the shops. And we do most of our work for the ground fishing boats and the saners in-house as much as we can. So tell me a little bit more about the wharf. When did you guys acquire it? Why did you acquire it? And what what's it been like owning a piece of like historic property that's also a, a working like gritty, nasty piece of the infrastructure that keeps the fishermen going? Yeah, no, those are good questions. Um, so my father purchased the beer back in two thousand and six, I believe, um, with the mindset of I with a lot of different ideas actually. And um, back then he had his own ground fishing boat and he had owned already um, a couple others, the Captain Jake and Captain Mark, and he didn't really have a place that he could do all his own work to the boats. Um, So he purchased the pier and uh, slowly over time he had to do his own uh, maintenance to the shop and outfit everything, put all his tools and equipment into it. Um, And so that kind of made it so we could have our own ground fishing boats tie up there and he could do the work to them. It's pretty difficult owning a pier. There's a lot to it. You got to constantly maintain the properties. You got to make sure that the pier is paying for itself. You got to make sure that you're going to city meetings and talking to other pier owners about various subjects. Um, And actually the biggest one is probably pier maintenance, just because when you're not really thinking about it, that pier is slowly dissipating and just kind of, eroding away just with all of our conditions down there. What, what are the top things that as you're looking at the pier, you have to be doing maintenance on and making sure that you're staying on top of the upkeep? Um, some of the upkeep things that I tend to look for is uh, the pier was built in on uh, solid foundation. So way back in the day, um, they would pile rocks on top of each other and then concrete all the way around the facility. And so if you're looking around on the side of the pier, you can tell if a gigantic rock is fallen out and you got to figure out, all right, is that place um, now where the concrete is, is it supportive? Um, and if so, if it's not, then resupport it. Um, other things I tend to look out for is on our pier underneath, they have uh, a steel structure that runs all the way underneath the uh, pier and they poured concrete on top. So if that steel structure starts eroding and rotting away, then we got to figure out how to patch it back up there and make sure it's safe. And then the last thing it would be uh, the pilings. 
Um, up top, they may look fine, but when the tide goes out and you go to the bottom of it, you go from um, a 12-inch, 18-inch diameter piling all the way down to a 6-inch diameter piling where the you need the most amount of support. So at that point in time, you got some problems. And so is that just from you know, breakdown or like what is, what's, what's causing that to happen underneath the water there? Yeah. Breakdown, just, um, weather tides, other docks. We have a couple docks that tie up there and they go with the tide constantly are going up and down. So they're slowly chafing through the pier. Um, you also have, um, bugs and termites and all kinds of stuff slowly eating through the piling anyways. And these pilings have been put there for, 50 or so years and so slowly over time they just uh rode away so what is your dock like compared to the other wharves down on the working waterfront um our property is uh 100 uh, working waterfront so we don't have any other companies on our pier that uh, subsidize the property um we use our building for our own companies uh last year i was managing um, a bait company out of portland and we uh, used outfitted some of our buildings into coolers. So some of our buildings are coolers and that's what I use to store some of our bait. Um, we have the rest of the property. One of the, the biggest buildings is a, a machine shop and, um, yeah, we tend to do everything in house and it's our own, our own pier for ourselves. And so the wharf is obviously important. And then out in front of the wharf, we have Portland Harbor. There's a dredging project that's currently being Posed or is it moving forward? Where Where is that? And, and how does that start to impact the fishermen, the pier owners? And what does that look like for, for business operations down there? Yeah, dredging has been an ongoing subject in Portland. And um, finally, within the past, I say three or so years, the ball finally started rolling with a, a bunch of outside grants from the government that kind of came in. Um, dredging is a huge project and for what for people who don't know what dredging is it's um usually a a barge comes in and they have a gigantic crane on it and the crane goes down into the ocean and they have a gigantic bucket on it and it scoops out um the mud and soil from different properties and it basically makes that property or channel um deeper therefore allowing bigger boats to tie up and not have to sit into the mud and um for portland a lot Portland hasn't been dredged in a long time. I don't know the exact date, but um, a lot of the piers in Portland, especially as you get towards uh, Commercial Street, the closer you are um, inland, is uh, boats can't, the guys will go down there at four in the morning. They can't get their boat out because it's uh, low tide and the boat's sitting in the mud. Um, other bigger companies down there, or bigger piers down there, uh, need more money to subsidize, subsidize their pier. So therefore they can't have any bigger boats down there tying up. So dredging would allow the, um, pier owners to have more berths for the lobstermen, more berths for commercial fishermen, more berths for ferry owners and all around. It's a pretty good benefit for pier owners. Um, there's been a little discrepancy as far as people like lobstermen in the Casca Bay because it tends to um, pull out old sediments out of the water that makes sure that the lop, uh, that would have the lobsters um, wouldn't be good for their health. So sure, basically sure. they design this CAD cell where they take out uh, clean dirt. They take all the nasty 
oil and sediments, and they do this over a five-year period. They do it during the winter inside the harbor, so there are no lobsters in there anyways, and not a lot of guys are fishing. And then they put it into a CAD cell, and then they take more clean dirt, and then they pack it over the top. And therefore, all the nasty sediments that could be there are all kind of packed away, and it's the safest way to dredge. So I'm, I'm a layman. What's a CAD cell? Oh, good question. A CAD cell is basically a box and it holds all the old mud that they're trying to dispose of uh, in a more cheaper way. And when I say box, I mean, it's just basically a hole in the sea, sea floor that the company would come in and they'll dredge out this gigantic hole and they'll dispose of that dirt. And then they'll take all the dirt that from the piers and they'll pack it in and then they'll go get clean soil. That's great. I'm, I'm going to tell a quick story. So when I first started working in uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts on the Charles River, nice. and one of the things that they were trying to do was bring public swimming back to the Charles River. And it was great because the river was actually clean, except for the sediment down the bottom. And so we were exploring the idea of, could we go in and dredge out an area to create a public swimming hole for um, the local residents. Cause it's so weird being in Boston and in Cambridge and you've got this beautiful river running through the downtown and you can't go in it. Yeah. Right? You can't. And, um, and so we started exploring and talking to different people and because of the concern about that sediment getting stirred up into the water column and then ending up in Boston Harbor where they had spent billions of dollars to clean it up. Yeah. Uh, they're like, listen, if you start doing this and it doesn't go right, yeah. all that like nastiness is going to end up down in Boston Harbor. And we just spent billions of dollars to clean that. <laughs> so there's no way, like yeah. we're going to leave this stuff in the Charles yeah. and that's going to stay that way. And so it's, it's always interesting to kind of think about like, you know, from a, from a, you know, the outside 20,000 foot view, it's like, oh yeah, just go and dig that stuff out get it out of there and like everything be simple. And so I, I had not even thought about when they started talking about the dredging project that, oh yeah, like that could, there could be things in, in that sediment that you don't want in the water column. Totally. And so that's, that's great that they're spending the time to figure that out and, um, and really thinking about the impacts that it could have on, on local fishermen and the local ecosystem. They're thinking of it from both sides, the pier owners and the fishermen and everybody in the community down there. Cause it's, it's gotta be a win for everybody. Yeah. And now what is the, the role that the peer owners are playing in, in this process? Are they just stewarding it forward and talking about how that works? Are they going to have to kick in money or is it, what, is that a, a public good that they're going to be receiving? How does that kind of fit into the, to the equation? Uh, the peer owners, um, from everybody that I've talked to have, um, have been pushing it forward. Um, there's a grant, we, a couple of grants that we've received and there's a group that does, um, is just kind of, um, spearheading this whole project and there's approximately 40 or so different peer owners in throughout Portland and South Portland that, uh, have signed on. Um, dredging is very expensive and we're not talking hundreds of thousands of dollars. We're talking millions of dollars. Yeah. Uh, due to permits, environmental reasons, the cost of dredging itself, it's its big money. And um, an average peer owner can't do it on his own. So it's awesome that it worked as a collective as a whole because now you have 40 or so peer owners and property owners that say, hey, we need deeper water. So with the grants from the government and the peer owners kind of chipping in, the cost for the peer owners is greatly going to go down. Instead of a uh, hundred bucks a cubic yard and you need 50,000 cubic yards out, that's going to be gap. pretty expensive yeah. versus now maybe down to 
let's just say 10 bucks a cubic yard that takes that cost away. The peer owners chip in a little bit and the government chips in and it's just a win for everybody. That's great. That's really yeah. interesting. That's, uh, that's one of those like little, little pieces that is a huge impact to the fishing industry that we don't think about a lot of the time. So it's, yeah. it's been fantastic that you yeah. guys have been involved in that and pushing that forward. Yeah. So the final thing that I wanted to talk to you about is because I was very interested in uh, the crane business that you've been slowly developing. Uh, and I was down on the working waterfronts and I saw some of the cranes and uh, one of our fishermen was having his engine taking taken out of his boat by your crane. And it got me thinking about the infrastructure that we need along the waterfront. And I would have never thought a crane would have been an important piece of that infrastructure. But tell me, how did you get involved in it? And what is your that piece of your business look like um, interacting with the fishermen in, in that capacity? Um, yeah, so that's a good point. I never knew a crane was gonna be useful on the waterfront either. Um, and my dad has always had uh, a lot of big equipment and old equipment that he uses. And about five or six years ago, um, a fisherman approached us and said, Hey, I have, um, a boom I need to put into place on my boat. Do you mind, you know, using your dad's crane, to just throw it on there and me just kind of being a helpful guy. Yeah, no problem. I'll be right there. So I came down and I set up my dad's old 1986, uh, international boom truck that he kind of pieced together himself. And, um, I used the crane and I set it on his boat and he put it into place and um, I was just kind of doing the guy a favor and he's an awesome guy and he just, uh, he turned around and handed me a hundred bucks. I'm like, wow, this is, this is great. Okay. I can make something of this. So I asked my dad, it's like, well, if I kind of get the truck going street legal and everything, can I um, help out the community and, you know, have to use the money to pay for the crane? He's like, yeah, no problem. So over the next couple of years, I did job after job. And uh, the jobs that I do are, um, I'll go up to a fisherman will call me and say, hey, can you haul out my motor? Can you haul out um, my doors? I'm not going dragging this season or my nets or anything that they kind of can't do on their own. And if they did it on their own, they're either going to spend a ton of money or they're going to spend days and days on trying to get off the boat or someone could get hurt. So when I show up my crane, I pick off their stuff and I set it on my truck and I put it away for them and it helps out those guys. And that has allowed me to get um, a, a newer crane truck. So now I can kind of do even bigger jobs for all the bigger draggers in town. And um, I just kind of like going around and helping out the guys, the fishing guys in the community doing what they got to do. Ian, it's uh, it's been great to get to know you as we've been working down the guys in, in Portland and, uh, know about the work that you've been doing down there and everything you've been doing to support that working waterfront. So thanks for joining today yeah, and no talking about you. some of the, the work that you've been doing. Perfect. Thanks, Ben. Thanks. Maine Coast Dock Talk is a project of the Maine Coast Fishermen's Association, an industry-based nonprofit which identifies and fosters ways to restore the fisheries of the Gulf of Maine and sustains Maine fishing communities for future generations. For more information about our work or to make a donation, you can find us online at maincoastfisherman.org.